0: Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Bill's lesson today is in Luke chapter 13 titled Religion or Relationship. Good morning and welcome. We're in the book of Luke chapter 13 making our way through that beautiful history of Jesus's life as recorded by Luke. Luke 13 we're going to be uh, down in verse 10 here in just a bit, and uh, we get into that here in just a sec. But uh, before we read that, I want to start off with a story. There was a pastor that I was reading about who uh, the story we're going to read reminded him of an experience that he had and uh, serving in a church, uh, had great people. Uh, there was a man in the church, his family was struggling financially. This man uh, had several jobs, uh, worked really hard, had a hard time making ends meet. Would happen to often take a job on a Sunday, uh, always faithful to come to church. But as soon as church was over, he would take off and head somewhere, just like I said, to make ends meet. And uh, one particular Sunday, you know, the pastor's heart going out to this guy. One particular Sunday, uh, he heard that the guy was going to go off in the woods and cut cut wood because he's just trying to save money, uh, just trying to cut firewood so he could uh, he could heat his house and save save on a on his bills. And so he told his wife, he said, as soon as church is over, I'm going to go out there with that guy. So they did. They went out there, and they were cutting wood, and there was a mishap that took place, and the guy cut his hand. Uh, not the pastor, but the parishioner. And uh, way out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so they had to rush him, had to rush him into town. And the town was a little town. Only had one hospital, a little Catholic hospital, very good hospital, good doctors, good nurses, and everything. And so they're sitting in the nursing room, I mean, in, in the nursing room, in the in the emergency room. And uh a nun comes in, which is to be expected. I mean, this is, this is their chaplains, and this uh, sweet little nun, he knew her, uh, old lady and uh, sweet lady, and uh, she was just coming, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry this has happened, I'll be praying for you, anything we can do for you. How did it happen? Well, when, she, when they began to explain what happened, that they were working on Sunday, she taint changed her whole tune. She got angry with them. You got exactly what you deserve, she said. I hope you learned your lesson. He said, he was just like, he'd known this lady for a long time. He's like, wow. And he said, I didn't, you know, I'm not going to say anything to a nun, but he said, my parishioner said, lady, aren't you working on Sunday? (laughs) Like I said, reminded this pastor of of this story that we're going to read that took place in Jesus's life and uh, how uh, we can be religious beyond our being any good. And certainly that is the circumstance of here, very religious people who aren't good for anything, especially not good for God. Watch what happens here. We're in Luke chapter 13, verse 10. And Jesus, it says, was teaching in the synagogues, one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who was 18 years, had a sickness caused by a spirit. She was bent over double. Like I said, kids, this this is a real life thing. Imagine being bent over. So, so we're not just talking about, of course, it's caused by a spirit, but, uh, but um, anybody here with any back problems, a little bulging disc issues, a little stenosis, can you imagine this poor lady? On 18 years, unable to straight, straighten up. So, so what, what was a spiritual issue is, of course, a physical issue. And often that is the case, which by, by the way brings up another, another question, which, which I think it has a simple answer. Are, are demons able to do this? The answer is apparently, there we go, it's in the Bible. Uh, you know, deal with it, I don't know. She was bent double, could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, she's not standing in the healing line or anything, she's just there to worship. Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. He doesn't just say the words, he also reaches out his hands, lays his hands on her, not that he needed to, but the woman needed him to, I guarantee you that. That culture, you know, when a person was like this, remember we've been looking at the why do bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people, etc., they had, a, they had a whole karma type of idea of the way things work. So, so if you get injured, if you get, I don't know, ride a motorcycle and get hit, Doug, maybe, or something like that, it, it's got to be because of some sin that he committed. That's their philosophy. Uh, we, we typically think like that. That is not biblical. Now, can it happen that way? Yes. Is it always true? No. But they would assume since this woman was bent over for 18 years, she must have done something really bad. She must be a really horrible person. And so they, of course, are not going to lay her hands on her because a sinner, huh? Ah, She's lucky that she gets to come to synagogue, right? Jesus, notice, calls her out, says, you're free, puts his hands on her, and she begins immediately healed and began glorifying God. And synagogue officials, indignant, not to throw a party, doesn't say, let's have a big fellowship, let's celebrate God. No, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, God forbid, You do anything good on the Sabbath? Goodness knows, the Sabbath is not supposed to be good, right? Wrong. Being saying to the multitude, he doesn't even talk to Jesus. He says, turns to the audience and says, "For the six, there are six days in which you are to work. Work should be done. Therefore, come during them and get healed, not on the Sabbath day." Jesus says, answered him and said, "You hypocrites." Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall? Of course they do. It's tied. If it's going to eat or drink anything, you have to untie it and lead it out. That's a. Of course you would do that. Of course you would. Lead him away to water on the Sabbath day? Of course you would. They, they have to eat every day. They have to water every day. And this woman, verse 16, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan is bound for 18 long years, should, not, should, not, should she not have been released from the bond on the Sabbath of all the days? The best day, Sabbath day. And as he said this, all of his opponents were being humiliated and the entire multitude was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. Like I said, reminding of this story that happened, like I said, with this, this pastor friend, uh, with this little nun. Sabbath was a law for the Jewish people and it was intended for one simple thing, to make their lives better. You know what the laws are, Ten Commandments? To make your life better. If you will follow the Ten Commandments, it's not how you get saved, but if you'll follow them, you will be better. If you will not kill somebody, even though they may think, you may think they got it coming, but you let it go, your life will be better as opposed to actually killing them. If you will not steal something as opposed to stealing it, your life is going to be better. If you will rest one day in seven... Your life is going to be better. The purpose of the law was to make lives better. Of course, they turned it into something that was altogether different. Can't even heal on the Sabbath day. What a crazy thing. So, so God created a multi-tiered sabbatical system because people, you and me, have a tendency to run ourselves into the ground. We have to be made to rest. Recall, you know, King David says, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, which means what? He's a sheep. You know what sheep do? They have to be made to lie down. He makes me, it says, right? You know Psalm 23? Makes me lie down in the green pastures. Why? Because they're so dumb that they won't do it. Guys, you don't have an endless supply of energy. You're, you're not built like that. But we are, forgive me, so dumb that we won't rest unless we're made to. Sometimes the rest that we get is because we get some kind of ailment and we get flat on our backs, and that may be the rest that... You're experiencing right now. Sometimes the rest we get is we get fired from our jobs. Is that the way you really want it? Wouldn't it be better to do what God says and rest one day in seven? Now we're not held to the Sabbath day as they were in the Old Testament. Jesus is now our Sabbath, but there's still a physical rest that has to happen for us. It needs to happen. It really does. You've got to be careful. I have to be careful as a pastor because in what day of the week am, I, am, am is spiritual needs unnecessary? But I, have to, I simply have to say, you know, I'm, I love you people, but I'm not answering my phone. I mean, call me anyway. Call my, you know, call my wife, and then, of course, <laughs> she'll stir me up. But, but I have to rest. We have to rest. God, God built a system not only for rest for the people one day in seven, but also for the land. Every seventh year, the land would rest. You would, your fields would lay fallow. And then every 49th, the 50th year, after the 47 times 7 years, the 50th year, the whole land, everything, they wouldn't sow, they wouldn't reap, they wouldn't tend their animals, they would take down, literally take down their fences and allow their, their animals just to roam free. Why would you do something like that? Only one reason. Actually, two reasons. Number one, God told you to. Number two, you trust Him. The purpose of the Sabbath is that you trust God. Well, if I'm barely making it in six days... If I work the seventh day, maybe I'll make it better. No, you'll make it better if you'll trust, do the, work as hard as you can and then trust God. Your land will be better if you'll let it rest, one in seven. Your world will be better if we, if we would abide by it. If everything rested, you know, every 50th year, it would be so good. They rested, here's, here's, the, here's the story, here's the real issue. They rested in faith. It was a relationship thing. See, it doesn't matter... Can you agree with me? How hard you work, if God doesn't bless your work. So so rest in one in seven days is saying, I trust not my hard work, not the sweat of my brow, not my not my good contacts. I trust the sovereign God who is able to provide me and bless my six so that it's bigger than the seven days or whatever days I might consistently work. It was a matter of relationship. I, I trust God for my crops. I trust God for, for my cattle that I might turn loose every 50th year. He's going to bring them back. God is the one that gave them to me. He's the one that's caring for them anyway. If God's hand isn't on my life, then what's, all the work that I do won't matter. purpose of the Sabbath was to bring people into a deeper relationship with God. Of course, over time, here we have it in the New Testament, they lost that understanding Completely. No longer did they have a relationship with God, instead the Sabbath became something they were using instead of blessing others' lives. It supposed to be the best day of the whole week. They turned it into the worst day, the most burdensome day. They used the Sabbath as a club to literally beat people over the head with it. You're not doing this, you're not doing that, and they came with all these rules about what, what work was and how far a person could walk on the Sabbath. They could walk six, according to the rabbis, six-tenths of a mile. Did these people have a GPS on them? No. So how were they supposed to know how far six-tenths of a mile was? By the way, if you walk six-tenths of a mile from your home, you cannot walk back because you walked the max already. So actually, technically, you could only walk three-tenths of a mile and, you know, a one, one step short and, because you don't want to, you know, if you trip on the way, uh-oh, you broke the law. Their laws. Their rules. And what it also gave them the, the capability, because like I said, nobody has a GPS on them in these days, those days, then they could just simply say, oh, we think you walked too far. We think you did. Or you, you, we think you did, and you can't prove that you weren't. How, how, how are they going to prove it? They don't have, like I said, a GPS that says, no, I only walked 3,000 steps or whatever it was. So, so they used it as this, this tool to, to, to indenture the people. When God had sent, given this huge blessing of the Sabbath, instead they used it as this weapon to make their lives a whole lot worse. Here's some examples, not just six-tenths of a mile. Today in Israel, and I've told you this story, we're headed to Israel this fall, God willing, you don't get on a Sabbath elevator. Sabbath elevator goes to every floor, stops at every floor. doesn't matter the buttons that you push. Because on the Sabbath day, the buttons don't work. They cut them all off. Because why? Because they consider button pushing to be work. So you walk to the elevator, you climb on the elevator, you're staying on the elevator, but you can't push a button on the elevator. Because why? Because because of stupid stuff. That's all it is. Today, listen, orthodox adherence, when the sun goes down on Friday, it goes goes down at an official time. Six o'clock is when their Sabbath starts, and it lasts until six o'clock on Saturday. If the sun goes down, hear me on this, this is a problem and you haven't torn enough toilet paper for yourself for Saturday, you've got yourself a problem. Because according to their laws, you can't tear toilet paper. So either you get to hold it for 24 hours, or you plan ahead. How crazy is that? According to, again, today in Israel, today in, the, in Orthodox Jewish families, they're not allowed to turn off and own lights when the sun goes down. So if you left a light on, for instance, in your bedroom and forgot about it, and it's past 6 o'clock, guess what? You get to sleep in a room with the lights on the whole time. According to their rules, it's work to flip the switch. You know, they have a workaround. You know what it is? They hire Gentiles to come in every couple of hours and check on them. Hey, can we turn off any lights for you? Turn on any lights. They pay them. Literally to do that. That I would suggest to you is cheating. If you've got a rule, keep a rule, right? But crazy rules craziness, and it was just as crazy, if not more crazy, like I said, they, Jesus can't even heal on the Sabbath? What else? How else have they used this as a weapon to, to damage people's lives? And the story highlights the distinct contrast between a religion, rules, and a relationship. And here I'm saying, here, how many of you got up this morning saying, yeah, I want to go to church, can't hear, wait to hear Pastor Bill, or is it true that you got up and came to church because that's what you do every Sunday? You know which ones I'm going to love, and which ones I'm not, no. My, most of my Sunday-going church is, well, now, because I'm a pastor, You know, I kind of have to go. Most of my Sunday going to church growing up was because that's what you do. Sunday comes. By the way, not a bad habit. Nothing wrong with that, as opposed to not having a habit of going to church. Go to church. You don't wake up in the morning and say, you know, what? I don't feel like, if, if, if we wake up and go to church based upon how we feel, we wake up and serve God based upon how we feel, Ah, we'll be real irregular with it. Go to church. Get up and go. You feel like it, you don't feel like it, go. So there's a part about what we do that is, if you will, religious. It's okay. But be careful, careful not to ever allow your religion to be separated from your relationship with God. That's what these people did. It turns you in and turns your world into something really, really bad. When religion does does horrible things for us, when we separate it from our relationship with God... Religious makes us think, first of all, as the Jews did, that we can somehow dismiss our own sin. See, see they, they followed all these strict rules. You know, the toilet paper rule, and the light switch rule, and the button pushing rule, and the walking distance rule. And yet, they would, in the background, be doing horrible stuff. Listen how Jesus describes these people. Here's these rule followers. Beware of the scribes. Religious people. Faithful people. Conservative people. Right? But not people you want to be around. Beware of them who like to walk around in these religious robes and love personal greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at the banquets. Oh, look how religious he is. Look how close to God he is. Oh, yeah? Well, what's underneath all that? Watch. They devour widows' houses and for an appearance sake offer long prayers. These will receive more condemnation. So, So behind the scenes, as a cover reason why they got so religious is because they were covering up. They had to, it takes a lot to cover up the fact that you don't have a relationship with God. You don't actually love him. You hide behind all this stuff and you're faithful to church or faithful to whatever religion you're in. But in fact, in the background, you are horrible. That was them. Jesus' perfect description of their religion without a relationship. You blind guides who strain out a gnat, which by the way is a good idea. It was an unclean animal. It fell on your coffee or tea, you strain it out, you don't drink it. Do you leave a gnat in your coffee or tea, even though you're not Jewish? I don't leave them in. Fly falls in there, I get it out. Well, a fly fell in there, they would strain it out, but notice Jesus says, you, you strain on that, but you, you, you've, you've gotten real particular about things that really don't need to be particular about so much, and then you do these horrible things in the background. That is what religion does to you when you cease to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Religion makes us think that we can somehow dismiss our sins. That's what that's, what that's about. Religion number two can cause us to not only miss, dismiss our sin, it causes us to miss who God is altogether. So, so this guy is on a front row seat of an incredible miracle of God. This woman, this is not her first time in synagogue, I would submit to you. She's been coming. She's, she's a part of this community. She's a part of this synagogue. They know who she is. She's kind of among the... the outskirts of, of, of what's allowed in their fellowship. Nevertheless, they let her come. They know who she is. They've seen her like this forever. And she's instantly healed. Not just a demon leaves, but all of her stenosis and all of her bulging disc and all the other issues and all the other neuropathy and all that stuff immediately vanishes completely. And what do they do? They never see it. Totally miss God. If you allow your religion to be separated from your relationship. God will do great things. He'll continue to do great things. You will miss him. You will miss him. Standing so close to Jesus, but they miss what he does. I, I guarantee you this knucklehead, I'm, forgive me, who made this pronouncement against this woman and Jesus, had, he been, had the shoe been on the other foot, he wouldn't have cared what day Jesus healed him. He wouldn't have cared. They're only self-focused and not focused on people and that's what happens standing so close to Jesus but we miss what he does and here's what else happens we miss and here's the most evident the greatest evidence we miss people as a direct consequence see i can lie to you about my relationship with god these guys did it they were professionals they wore their robes they prayed long prayers they stood up in the synagogue. They were leaders. They were respected. They could lie and everybody would believe them about their relationship with God. But it was evident, their relationship with God was evidenced or the lack of it by the way they treated people. You want to tell me about your relationship? Tell me how you treat people. Tell me how you treat them. Because the Bible draws a direct line. Do not think that you can say you love your father who is unseen and have no love for your brother. It says in John, 1 John. And not love your brother who is who is seen. There's a direct relationship. If you're serving the Lord and offering your altar, or offering at the altar, and they remember that your brother has something against you, Jesus said, "Leave your offering there." He's much more interested in your relationships than he is in your religion. But his religion's fine. Never let it be separated from your relationship. Religion, listen, without relationship, runs over people, whereas we should be putting people first. Speaking. To, of modern Judaism and how they observe the the um, Sabbath laws, like I said, they're not allowed, allowed to turn things off and on after the Sabbath hits. And so there was a lady and her family, Jewish family in New York City, this happened several years ago. You may have heard about it on the news, who was cooking on a Friday evening, made a meal. They were sitting down having a good time as a family forgot that she left the hot plate on that she was cooking on and the sun went down. It was after 6 o'clock, of course, according to their laws, she can't turn it off. And so thinking that nothing, you know, what could really happen with a hot plate, they stayed up the rest of the night and then went to bed. And that night the hot plate caught on fire and nine members of her family died as a result of it. What, what's the purpose of the Sabbath? It's to help us. Not to hurt us. How do we know? I mean, how do you know when you're not in a relationship anymore with God because of the way you treat people? Decisions you make about people, for sure. We, we ignore people for the sake of religion. This woman is just there to worship. She didn't ask to be healed. She's not, this is not her first time, undoubtedly. Uh, they've been looking over her. Notice what Jesus does. He does, number one, he notices her. Number two, he calls her out. Number three, he touches her. Nobody's been touching this lady. Nobody. She's a scourge. She's an outcast. He touches her. This is the priority of God. You know what the priority of God is? People. Jesus came to die for people, not for sea turtles. Not for the Eagles. Not for, not not the football game for sure, football team for sure, but not the Aguilas, the ones flying around out there. No. I mean, yes, in an in a, in a indirect way, Jesus came to bring salvation to the whole creation, but ultimately, he didn't become a sea turtle. He became a human. He didn't become a fish. He didn't become a deer. He became one of us because while we're the focus of his love and concern, the focus of it, people matter. Why does he touch this woman? Because people matter. People matter. Who's on your list? Who's on your list to care for and reach out to? You know, one of the sad consequences of COVID is that we've lost people. In this church we have, in other churches, in our community and fellowship of people. Oh well, they're still there, we still talk to them on the phone. We'll see them anymore. We'll touch them anymore. We have people watching right now, and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to drag you people through the mud. They're on camera right now. not dragging, dragging you people. I know you're somewhere else, and you can't be here. Otherwise, I'm just believing 100% that you would be here. In the name of Jesus, I know you would be. <laughs> but sometimes, listen, sometimes we're at home because we just don't want to be up here. The inconvenience of, of being remote and, uh, and, and, and I'm just as good a teacher on television as I am in person, right? But listen, that's not what church is. Church is people being together. And we've allowed, for, for necessary reasons, at least in the short run, something like COVID to, to put us into our own homes. But are, are we now realizing, hey, I've got to have people? And here, here's the most important thing stop thinking about yourself. People got to have you. Got to have you. Who's on your list? Who's on your list? interesting documentary study by a professor of psychology and and a scientific advisor uh, wrote a study or listened to a study about how important physical touch is to the human nature. He said, number one, he says, all you need to know simply is this, is that a child is in close contact with his or her mother for the first three years of their life, like always on them. Of course, dad, too. But mom can feed, mom can do lots of other things, and mom, of course, was, they were inside their, their, uh, their own body. I mean, it, the physical touch is incredibly important. The, the guy's interesting, his study was actually in athletics. He, he, was intre- he started getting into, by studying athletics and how teams work and how teams don't work, he started looking into this whole issue of physical touch, because one of the things that he was noticing is that the more successful teams were teams that touched each other. And I don't mean icky, I mean slap on the rump, a slap on the helmet, a slap on the back, a hung around the neck, a chest bump, a fist bump, a high five, or whatever. Just, just, but not just saying, hey, you're doing a great job. No, physically embracing each other. He says, interesting, the statistics of how successful a team, often he says, you show me a team, I can see them on the court, or I can see them on the field. You show me a team that's physical with each other, they love each other, and are physical with each other. He says, I'll show you a team that plays well together. Interesting. Interesting. God created us that way. I read a story, and I've told it before, but it's so so appropriate. of of a of a manager of a of a, a grocery store, and uh, he he uh, noticed this this older lady that would come into his store, and uh, almost every day, buy one item, two items, and he thought, you know, I mean, it's her day out. I mean, she's coming out, but but man. Every day. And he knew where she lived, a small community. She lived, you know, eight, ten miles away. It was an effort for her to come in there. And he also noticed not only would she come in there every day, or almost every day, but every day she came in, she would only stand in one teller's checkout line, even though he may have four open. And sometimes that line would be longer. And a couple of different times he went to the lady and said, ma'am, would you like to come to one of these? Little- oh, no, no, no. I want to stay in this line. So he thought, you know, to each his own. But, but it bothered him, or actually it interested him, and his, his interest was piqued. He was just trying to figure out why did, why did she do this. And he started noticing also that on the days that the teller was not there, she also was not there. So it wasn't like like she was focusing, she was targeting this, this teller. And so one of the nicest guys he had. he was a great worker. He said, you know, I, I didn't think there was anything weird going on. He said, I just thought, you know, there's something interesting about it. So he said, I decided I was just going to ask her. So he did. He said ma'am you know we've known each other for a long time you've been coming here for a long time and and we're glad that you do appreciate your you know your loyalty and all that he said but i've noticed several times you know i've asked you to move to other lines and you never do and you only sit in this line and then when my teller isn't here you you're not here either why she kind of sheepishly said well you need to know something every time i go through the line and i give your teller change he gives me change back, and he pats me on the top of the hand. And she said, sometimes that's the only human touch I get for weeks. So she said, so guess what he said? Everybody's touching people when they come in this store, you know, when it's appropriate. Shoulder, I don't know, you're going to hug them or whatever. Who else out there, you know? It's, it's, it's incredible. It's interesting how even though as, you know, of course, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He could have stood a mile away and said, you know, you're healed, lady, stand up straight. But he doesn't do that. He touches her. He's already said the words. This, this is the same guy who said, let there be light, and there was light. So if he says, you're healed, brother, you're healed. Sister, you're healed. But he touches her, why? Because that's the way he made us. We're not, we're not, we can't be devoid of touch. Again, let me ask you, without any implications of ickiness, who's on your touch list? Who's on it? Is it a big list? It needs to be. It needs to be. Again, we, we've put up walls around ourselves because of all the COVID and all that kind of stuff, and I understand that, and there's some, there's some of that that was necessary, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're getting past that. It's time for us to touch each other, and maybe it's a distance, maybe it's a phone call. I don't know. Maybe it's a hug, maybe it's whatever, but guys, we have to have this. We have to have this. It is absolutely necessary. Again, you have here in the synagogue people who touched, noticed, and touched their animals every Sabbath, but had nothing to do with this lady. How messed up is that? The Sabbath is not created for the animals. The Sabbath is created for the rest of the people, and yet this woman was tortured all these years, nobody touching her. It's really bad, isn't it, when people who created the image of God matter less than animals. i got animals, right? i got cats. I'll I'll spend a ton of money to make them better. But I'm telling you, Jesus didn't come to die for my cats. He came to die for people. He came to rescue people. He he didn't come to die for the sea turtles, and I love the sea turtles and I hope nothing happens to them. He didn't come to die for for the eagles that are, that are being protected here in the United States. But it's interesting, it's sad, and it's descriptive of what's wrong with us, partly at least or largely, that we legally can kill an unborn child. But you touch an eagle's nest or a turtle's nest and uh, hope you like your jail time. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. Oh, well, that's got nothing to do with religion. Oh, yeah, it does. Religion of self, worship of self, worship of, 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 the, of the created order, right, instead of the creator who made that order. Jesus argues from the lesser to the greater, and it makes total sense. If you allow people to help animals in need on the Sabbath, he's all in favor of that, of course you're going to turn your donkey loose. Of course you're going to let your cow loose. If you allow people to care for animals on the Sabbath, why would you not allow people to help people who are in need on the Sabbath? I mean, that should be the simplest thing, but it's not. When we allow our relationship to get separated from religion, we wind up doing some Absolutely crazy stuff. People matter to God. Jesus didn't become a sea turtle. He became a man. Not only did he become a man, he died as a man and rose again as a man and ascended into heaven as a man. And today there is a Jewish man sitting on the throne of God. He didn't cease to be human, he's staying like that forever. How much do the human race matter to God? There's just no way to overstate it. There's just not a way. Religion is only beneficial when it is beneficial to people. Here we go, James, chapter one, verse twenty-seven. Pure and undefiled religion. Here we go. Any, say, not going to say anything about your church attendance. Not saying anything about your tithing. Pure and it's, it's how you treat people. Undefiled religion is the sight of God and our Father. Is this that we visit orphans and widows in their distress? Keep oneself unstained by the world. Here's the famous chapter in 1 Corinthians, right? We, we, we read it all the time. I read it in uh, weddings all the time, de- mainly the definition, verses 4 on. Love is patient, love is kind, love is all this, and we're, I've been teaching it on, on Wednesdays. Uh, if you haven't connected with us on our Wednesday Bible, midweek Bible studies, I'm teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 right now. But the introduction to that incredible uh, definition of love there in 1, 1 Corinthians 13, we often skip it. It is so necessary. Let's, let's take a look at that. He describes what otherwise we would consider to be a very religious life. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, I and mean, that's pretty religious, I'm thinking. Have not love. I have become a noisy gong, clanging cymbal. So, so we're not just talking about neutral. We're not talking about uh, neutral tones here. If I come and clang a cymbal while you're sleeping in bed, are you going to like me or not like me? I'm thinking not. It's not just neutral, it's negative influence, negative results. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, how close are you to that? The all part. I'm just trying to, I'm barely ahead of y'all if, I'm ever, if I ever am, and I'm nowhere close to all. If I have all faith, how are you doing with that one? So as to remove mountains, how are you doing with that? Have not love, zip, zero, zero. Wouldn't you love to have someone who knows everything in your church? Maybe not. All the prophecy and who can do all these religious stuff, I'm telling you, if they're not loving, you don't want them. You don't want them. I have nothing, he says, if I give all of my possessions to the charity so we don't have to have another offering ever again because somebody's just going to load the church down with money. If they don't have love, you might as well not give us nothing. Surrender my body to the flames, the sacrificial, self-sacrificial. But I don't have Love. It does me no good, nor your world. See, Jesus has called us to action, Has He not? Sabbath is for the purpose of helping people. That was the person making our life easier. And when we take that religion and we separate it from our relationship with God and our relationship with people, well, it becomes not just zero, less than zero. I'd ask you if you would bow your heads and close your eyes as me as we think about what God has said to us today. Who's on your list? Who are you reaching out to? Who do you miss? Who's getting your phone call? Who's getting your touch? Just one or two on your list, you need more. We, we have a tendency to look in within ourselves, worry about ourselves, and sometimes, sometimes we have to, but it won't last. It can't last long, because when it does, we start hurting our relationship with people and ultimately start hurting our relationship with God. God, I thank you so much that you have given us rest. I thank you so much we rest today in Christ. I thank you for the Sabbath rest of knowing Christ Jesus as our personal Savior, for having hope only in him, ceasing from any work that we have to do to make ourselves right with you, and trust in Christ. I pray for the person here who hasn't done that yet, that he or she would. They would cease trying to be good enough for you and know that Jesus has already been good enough, more than good enough and accept what he's done for them. But God, I pray that as you have given us blessings and given us rest, that you would help us, God, not to, not to just operate in our religion and separate it from our relationship with you. Separate it from our relationship with others. Just because we attend church or hear a Bible study, is that really where you want us to be? Oh, ultimately, if those things are not pushing us, not changing us, not helping us with our relationship with you and our relationship with others, they really add up to zero. God, I thank you for speaking to us today. Open our eyes to really see. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.